Hi, hope you are all having a good day. As promised, we are back with another hour live session with Dima today. And Dima is our product owner and business partner here at Edna with very extensive experience in the field of digital communication. Hi, Dima, how are you doing? Hi, Svetlana, I'm good, thanks. Uh, so what do you have in mind for today's discussion? Uh, well, I have been really looking forward to having this discussion on push notifications with you. You know uh, how push is increasingly gaining traction as a tool for businesses to reach out to their customers directly on their phones. However, there are many companies that want to use push but are not sure how to start their journey. Also, with push, there are a free and paid solutions as well in the market. How do companies know what works for them? Uh, see, the thing is not all push notifications are the same. There are both free as well as paid push solutions. Uh, but the so-called free ones are not really free. Businesses using them will still need to consider not just the design aspect, but uh, segmentation of push also and technical nuances, say, for example, the number of pushes sent per second. Um, this is a limit um, to how many free push messages can be shared per second using one single connection uh, to the cloud. Uh, say it's about 20. If companies need to send more push notifications, then this limit um, will increase. They will need to maintain numerous connections, network quality, scalability in case of peak loads, and keep tracking that IP addresses are not blocked. So to be honest, there is no such thing as free push message. Oh, right. Uh, and uh, what about customer consent? As far as I know, for most B2C messaging, customers opt-ins are needed. Uh, where they explicitly agree to receive all notifications from businesses before any message is sent. How is it with push? Uh, you know, when it comes to opt-ins, uh, there is a big difference between Android and iOS devices. Android devices are a little uh, more push-friendly in the sense that push notifications are enabled by default. Customers, of course, always have the option of unsubscribing. Uh, with iOS, things are a bit more difficult. Explicit user consent is required before a business can share any notification. Also on Android, they may be grouped by user, whereas on iOS devices, push notifications are grouped by time and app. Okay, thank you. And has iOS 15's release last year impacted how push messages are delivered in any way? Uh, you know, yes, really. Uh, you know, Apple has made quite a few changes to how notifications can be received and has given a lot of control to users by introducing the focus mode and the notification summary. Earlier push notifications were always displayed instantly upon receipt, but starting with iOS 15, the user can use the focus mode to schedule times of day when they don't want to be disturbed by any notifications, and they can only see them after they turn off the focus mode. Uh, these notifications are placed within the notification summary, which is summarized digest of all the incoming messages throughout the day. Once the user comes out of the focus mode, they can see the messages in the notification summary. Whoa, these features really give control to users. However, this does raise the question how businesses can reach users with time-sensitive messages like delivery notifications or other crucial updates? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, to get around this, Apple has created a notification interruption level. 
uh, they have introduced four levels of urgency. Uh, the first one is active. It's uh, active by default, passive, time-sensitive, and critical. The first two uh, can't break through the focus mode, but time-sensitive and critical messages can. Uh, the time-sensitive urgency level is best for transactions and one-time passwords. They are shown immediately after the receipt of the message. Uh, but the active level, uh, which is subject to snoozing rules, is suitable for marketing notifications. I think it's a great thing Apple has done, but uh, marketers must ensure that the content they're sharing fits the urgency level. Uh, after the first time a time-sensitive notification is shown, iOS asks users for permission to continue showing such notifications. So marketers uh, must send only urgent notifications until the time-sensitive level to increase uh, the chances uh, of getting the user's permission. Uh, let me also uh, tell you, having a paid platform gives businesses the opportunity to check if your push messages get into the notification summary or not. Whoa, those are some really major changes. Yes, also, uh, you know what, um, iPhone users can open push notifications for the full screen with uh, uh, a long touch. This gives brands an opportunity to create uh, engaging customers' designs. Custom design can be tricky for Android because of a great variety of devices uh, and screen sizes and uh, various brands. If companies choose free solutions like, for example, Firebase, they need to do a lot of testing to make sure that their push notification looks good on all the devices. Got it. Yeah, thank you, Dima. And I also wanted to understand uh, how can push notifications prevent customer churn in a world where gaining and retaining the customer attention is becoming more difficult than ever before? Um, you know, uh, the thing is, no company today can ignore the power of cross-channel communication. Customers uh, are on different channels and brands uh, that also maintain the official presence on those channels gain a significant edge over peers. Cross-channel communications capability is no more a nice-to-have option, it's an absolute must-have. Businesses need to unify all their communication channels to ensure that bases are covered and customers get a frictionless experience. Uh, the good thing about push is that it can be easily integrated with existing channels like SMS, Viber, and so on. Uh, another advantage of push is its deliverability. Uh, brands can set uh, a cascade to ensure that the messages they send using push are delivered via uh, a fallback channel uh, if primary push fails to deliver. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, as a cascade like, for example, push, then Viber or WhatsApp, then SMS. Uh, and um, they also need to make sure their messages are actually relevant and helpful to their customers. It's very important. You know how we are all, uh, um, how to say, bored with push messages on a daily basis and don't even bother to open most. This is because many brands still do a generic blast that goes out to the entire customer database without taking into consideration that the customer's, uh, for example, profile, his or her interest, and so on. No wonder customers don't bother engaging with them. Uh, and uh, to add to this, uh, some customer-focused brands do understand the need uh, 
to personalize their messages. They don't go much further than referring to the customer by their first name or sending them to, uh, for example, a discount on their birthday. But this just isn't enough. Customer segmentation is really critical. Brands need to segregate customers into different groups based on different criteria, such as, for example, uh, location, uh, interests, in-app activity like purchase and browsing history, demographics, uh, their place in user journey, and so on. And then target these groups with messages at the right time and in the right frequency to actually see engagement. Messages sent in this way will actually increase conversion. Understood. Thank you. I think another way to prevent churn is to give customers more control over what type of notifications they want to receive. Don't Android devices have a way to do that? Well, um, you know, Android uh, allows developers to create various push categories. Uh, customers can go to an app setting and choose the category of notifications uh, they want to receive. Say some customers only want to receive transactional notifications, while others don't mind receiving product recommendations as well. They can go to the app setting and select the category of notifications they want to receive. Um, and many times, App owners uh, neglect to create these different categories, but they should never skip this feature. They should not make the mistake of lumping all different kinds of push content uh, under a single category due to a lack of proper settings. Else customers will have no option but to disable all notifications, although maybe they are tired of only one kind of message but don't mind receiving other kinds. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about iOS devices? Uh, push notifications are not enabled by default there. What steps can brand take to make people subscribe to their notifications in this case? Thanks, it's a good question. Um, to make people enable their push notifications on RES, brands can show in-app messages with a short instruction on how to enable it. Also, it's important to remember that the system notifications to enable push notifications is only shown one time. Uh, so companies need to tread carefully when it comes to onboarding users. They should show their in-app message with the offering to enable pushes at the right time. And only if the user agreed to, uh, they should share a link to a system notification. Also, it's nice to have a notification center in any app to collect the history of all the notifications. But uh, don't forget it should be omnichannel, not only pushes, but also, for example, SMS. In this case, users can go to the notification center and pick up the last discount or promo code and proceed with the purchase. Mm -hmm. And how to rate pushes marketing channel? Well, uh, besides the obvious um, advantages of reaching out to customers um, for sharing transactional, promotional and other updates, uh, push notifications have the added advantage of helping uh, companies understand how well their campaigns are working. They can track key engagement metrics for understanding push success. They can measure deliverability speed, deliverability rates, influence tokens, and so on. Oh, you mean when users do not immediately open an app after receiving a push message, but may plan to revisit an app later in the day in close succession to receive the app's reminder? Yes, that's right. And then direct sessions. A direct session is registered when the user opens the app or site by clicking on a push message. 
while an influence session is registered when a user opens the app within a defined attribution window. Got it. Uh, Dima, I also wanted to ask you, how does push fare as a channel when compared to a more traditional and time-tested channel as, say, uh, email? Well, uh, see, email uh, has not will always have its place as a company's communication channel, but push messages are definitely more impactful compared to email in a number of ways. For one, it's easier uh, to secure permissions for push. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, deliverability is ensured. They pop up on the user's screen almost instantly after being sent, and users almost always see them, even when they don't engage with them. Also, uh, Emails sometimes go to the spam folder, but there's no such risk with push messaging. Uh, then uh, the turnover is quicker as it takes less time to create a push message. Email requires careful planning around the design, messaging, and so on. Uh, four, um, push messages are more visible as they um, pop up in the front screen of your uh, smartphone. Uh, they are crisper and to the point, and users can read the whole message at one go. Then uh, five, um, push is mobile native. This was designed for the small screen, whereas email is not always designed for the small screen and can look cluttered. Uh, another point is marketers can send uh, geo-targeted campaigns with push, but not with email. However, companies need to remember that using user allocation can be tricky because uh, the majority of users don't allow companies to track their location as a background process. Say a local bakery, for example, wants to reach out to their um, uh, to the users who are passing by, but can't do so because the customers have not given permission to allow the business to check the location on a constant basis. However, geo-targeting is good for some other industries, like for example renting cars or gas stations. Uh, they have a bigger time window. If a person travels to another city for a two-week vacation, it's easier for the app to catch him during uh, that time frame. Oh, well. Thank you so much, Dima, for sharing these valuable insights. But we promised to be short. That's why I think it's time to finish our discussion today. Um, we hope you joined today's session on push messaging. We'll be back soon with another session on what's hot in the digital communication space. Stay tuned. Bye. Thanks, Sveta. Bye.